how do you put all of them together? How do you know that this fish isn't going to eat that fish or whatever? You know, just because an animal should be able to get along with another animal doesn't always mean that it will. So sometimes it's as simple as these fish are kind of battling over the same rock. Well, maybe you just have to add another rock closer to it. Then all of a sudden they'll, they'll spread back out. It's a lot of watching your animals. Hi, I'm Cindy Simmons, and this is See the World with Cindy Simmons. So the whole goal of this podcast is to take you on an eye-opening journey and see the world through the lens of animal rescue, care, and conservation, exciting family adventures, and interesting people. And it's no secret that SeaWorld cares for thousands of species of marine animals. Well, what do all of these animals have in common? They live in or around water, and SeaWorld has an amazing way to create and maintain habitats that are perfect for each species. So how much water do you think they manage? Well, I want to know that too. How do they replicate natural habitats? Well, let's jump in and see how this works. Yes, I'm very punny today. I get it. So joining us today is Chris Havel. He is the Aquarium Supervisor for SeaWorld San Antonio. Hey, Chris. Hi, how's it going? Going well. How are you? Right. I'm doing excellent. Trying to stay cool today. It's a little hot here in uh, Texas. Uh, triple yeah, digits again. <laughs> Why don't you just jump in one of those uh, pools that you have there? Uh, I, I do that from time to time. My, uh, my, my job does allow me to scuba dive sometimes. Sometimes we go in the water, so but not necessarily just to cool down. <laughs> That's just the added <laughs> benefit of it. So Chris, one of my favorite things is every time we have um, a See the World episode, I get to meet someone new and I love to find out that point A to point B, like how did you start and how did you end up, you know, in this role that you are in today? Because it sounds like a pretty cool title to say, hey, I'm Chris, I'm an aquarium supervisor. Right. I, I mean, it's, it's a little cliche to say, you know, when I was a kid, I always wanted to do this. But uh, when I was a kid, I always wanted to work with animals. <laughs> Uh, I, I grew up in the state of Ohio. I grew up, grew up in uh, just outside Cleveland, Ohio, right on Lake Erie. So in my backyard, there was a wetlands in my backyard. Uh, so I grew up as a little kid catching frogs and toads and turtles and all sorts of things and just had a, a love of those animals and knew I wanted to work with those animals. And that's really how I got to where I'm at today. Some of those, some of those turtles that I caught when I was five years old I actually still have, and I'm over 40 now. -uh. So they they live in my backyard. So they made the trip from Ohio to Texas. They got a a pond built in the backyard, and they're they're still with me today. That is really cool. So aquarium supervisor, like I feel like it's kind of self-explanatory, but what exactly is your job? So the biggest thing, other than, of course, managing people, which is that's what a supervisor would do. But on the animal level, I mean, you are taking care of the entire habitat, the entire living arrangements for the animals themselves. So in the aquarium, we're taking care of the water. Uh, We're cleaning, we're feeding, uh, we're breeding, we're making sure that our animals are healthy. So we do a little bit of everything uh, being in the aquarium field. So how did you learn how to create all of these different environments then? So a lot of that uh, is the, another beauty of being an aquarist is a lot of it is trial, trial and error. Um, so you had aquarists before you uh, that tried things and you know what works and what doesn't work. Uh, but the aquarium field, if, if you're not adapting with the field, it changes 
um, from day to day. The technology that comes out is amazing. So you're constantly adapting. So you're trying new things. Um, you might uh, look at your animal's behavior and you might see, uh, let's try moving the rock over here and see if the fish do something different or see if we can stimulate a breeding behavior or let's mess with the light cycle or the salinity of the water. So we we get to do a lot of things and you basically are reading your animals. You're looking at them and you see what works and what doesn't work. But of course you have that that just book of knowledge of all the people that came before you and the people that are basically doing the same job as you all talking to each other as one. Wow. It sounds like that's kind of ever changing, which means like you're, you're constantly learning. No day is the same as the day before. Does that feel like that's right? It, it is. So that's one of the beauties of being an aquarist. Um, no day is ever the same. Uh, we don't do the same thing pretty much any day with the exception of coming in. We, you know, we might clean, uh, but we don't clean the same way every day because it's not a uh, not necessity to clean the same, do all the same things every day. Uh, we prep right. different foods every day. But other than that, the rest of your day is is pretty different every single day. And a lot of that is um, we deal with such a variety of different animals from large sharks to small little seahorses and uh, coral polyps. So you have so many different animals that you're you're caring for. Uh, nothing is ever going to be the same on a given day. Oh, that's cool. And you just said seahorses. I love seahorses. Um, so I know what my favorite part of your job would be. But if I, if you had to just pick one, what is your favorite part of your job? So uh, touching back a little bit of, of what I just said, my favorite part of my job is the variety. Um, getting to do all those different things and I'm not a person that can sit in, say, an assembly line or an office job where I'm doing the same similar things every day. I have to be doing something different. And that's one thing that the aquarium field allows you to do, um, whether you're, like I said, breeding a seahorse or a coral or feeding a large shark or training a sea turtle. Uh, we get to do a lot of really cool things in our, in our field. So there's a lot of water at the different sea worlds. How much water are you managing? So in the, the aquarium field uh, or the aquarium department, uh, we manage about a million gallons of water uh, divvied up between all of our different pools. Our largest pool is a 400,000 gallon shark pool. Um, we have a 300,000 gallon reef tank, a 125,000 gallon uh, sea turtle pool. So. We have a lot of large pools, but then we have a lot of really small tanks as well. So we have some tanks that are uh, only 30 or 40 gallons, and they have all their uh, different intricacies with them, um, the animals that are in them. So you've got to know how to manage the giant large pools, and then you have to know how to take care of these really, really tiny pools. And we even though they're not really aquarium animals, uh, we take care of some terrestrial animals as well. So we have uh, tortoises and dart frogs and things like that. Ah. So raising up little tadpoles from the, from an egg and into a froglet. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of really cool things you don't always think of when you think of an aquarium. That's awesome. 
What about um, a dynamic habitat? I've heard that, but I don't know what it is. So can you right. kind of so help talk me through di- that? <laughs> dynamic habitats is something SeaWorld has uh, recently really wanted to focus in on. Um, but the aquariums have always kind of done dynamic habitats. And what that means is you're trying to simulate uh, something that's more engaging for the animal, something that's more similar to what's out in the ocean. So in, say, a, a coral tank, we're going to have live corals and we're going to have hermit crabs and sea stars and sea urchins and different types of fish all cohabitating together, making that dynamic habitat. Um, so one of the, the things we focused in on on our sea turtles, uh, our sea turtle exhibit, which we have a, a dynamic habitat there as well, and that's all due to the filtration system that's allowed us to do that. Um, it's all those animals cohabitating together to make that engaging atmosphere, not only for the animals and, the, and for the guests as well. But how do you put all of them together? How do you know that, you know, this fish isn't going to eat that fish or whatever? So a lot of that is, uh, is knowledge that you gain over, over the years. Um, and then a lot of it is trial by error a little bit. Where, you know, just because an animal should be able to get along with another animal doesn't always mean that it will. So you can put it together and you you might watch the animal. And then, you know, sometimes it's as simple as, well, these animals are, uh, these fish are kind of battling over this same rock. Well, maybe you just have to add another rock closer to it or a piece of coral over here. And then all of a sudden they'll they'll spread back out. So it's a lot of watching your animals. That's, that's really the, the key to being a, a good aquarium or a good aquarist. It's like being a parent to all of these little animals, right? Making sure that they don't beat each other up like we do when we're parents. Yeah. <laughs> I've got three little ones at home, so I, I, I get that one for sure. Yeah, I have two. I understand it. And one's a teenager, so I don't think I need to say more. Yeah. <laughs> so you kind of hinted at this a minute ago. You have something new that you are doing there in Texas, and I heard it's the first of its kind in the world. Right. It's, it, it was something um, was really cool to be a part of. Um, I've been at SeaWorld for over 10 years now. I've been in the aquarium field for over 20, but I haven't done a lot of it's the first ever. And in, in 2019, when we built Turtle Reef, um, SeaWorld's always concentrated on conservation, conservation messages, trying to uh, conserve animals and water, electricity. Um, But we've never put all of that into one exhibit. Uh, So when Turtle Reef was built, we wanted to think outside the box and said, this is the way we normally filter water, but how can we do it better and tie in all that conservation? So Turtle Reef in 2019 turned towards the way water is filtered out in the wild. So we turn towards plants. So we have a native perennial uh, cordgrass that lives on the, the Gulf Coast. And the way it works in the wild is it absorbs the essentially uneaten food and waste of the animals, and it vents it off into the atmosphere as gas, and you're left with clean water. So we built a wetland on the back of Turtle Reef, and we flood that wetland every four hours, and then it filters out our water, and we're left with really, really clean water. The benefit to that is we don't have to use some of the traditional pumps that aquarium fields have used for years that require more electricity 
and they require more water for cleaning as well. So we're able to conserve water, conserve electricity, and still have a really, really pristine water at, at, at the end product, which has allowed us to use, uh, put crustaceans and sea stars and urchins and other things that need those really low nitrogen levels in the water that historically a lot of large exhibits, you can't achieve that um, without some extra filtration, which requires even more water and electricity. So it sounds like you're saving a lot of water and a lot of electricity at the same time. Right. And all, once again, focused in around our turtle reef exhibit, which is focusing on the endangered and rehabilitated turtles as well. So is this something then we will see at other SeaWorld parks as well? So that, that's the goal. Uh, we've worked with um, a lot of uh, people in our corporate levels. We were kind of the guinea pig. You know, we've tweaked things. We've said, you know, maybe we don't need so many plants or square footage of plants. So we're kind of, we worked out a lot of the bugs and we found out what works. And the goal is to share that knowledge, not only with the SeaWorld parks, but other parks as well. Um, so other zoos and other aquariums can all conserve things as well, uh, save money, save electricity, save water, and still wind up with a really great product uh, to, so that the guests can enjoy the animals as well. So Chris, I've been to Texas twice because I grew up in Los Angeles, California. So I, I had been to Texas a couple of times. And I remember both times that I was there, everyone always talks about how everything is bigger in Texas. So what is the biggest habitat? there at SeaWorld San Antonio? Uh, so we have our orca pool. I believe it is four and a half million gallons. So that, that's the, uh, the largest habitat that we have. Um, but once again, for myself, being an aquarium supervisor, my largest habitat is going to be our, our 400,000 gallon shark exhibit or shark pool. So you have all of these different ecosystems. And I know some of it is obviously you have salt water and the fresh water. If you need the salt water, how do you simulate that? So a, a lot of places have the, uh, the advantage of being right on the ocean and they can bring seawater in, uh, purify or filter that water and, and use it, uh, here in Texas or San Antonio, Texas, we're not that close, uh, to the ocean. So we need to make our own salt water. So we're able to mix fresh water and we mix it with generally 15 different types of salts. And that's going to give the chemistry that you find out in the ocean. Uh, most specifically, we target yeah. um, some of the coral reefs because corals require different elements than just teleos or, or regular fish or bony fish or cartilaginous fish like sharks. Um, so we're going to focus in on the best water we can make, and that's going to be what's focused in on what's around the coral reefs out in the ocean. But it takes 15, 15 different types of salts all mixed together, and we simulate salt water. Do you know coral could have babies? I do. So <laughs> I'm just I'm messing with you because oh, okay. a couple of episodes ago it was one of like one of those brain moments that I learned yeah, that, and it was one yeah, of my lot, favorite uh, things that I learned. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of people don't think of corals as sexually reproducing, but they do. <laughs> I so, did not. <laughs> so they can sexually reproduce, and then of course they can fragment as well, so they can asexually reproduce as well. That's why I love doing this See the World podcast. I learn something every single episode. Um, do you have a favorite exhibit? I mean, are you partial to anything there at SeaWorld Antonio? Um, San Antonio? I, I am. So 
one of my favorite things to work with, which unfortunately we don't have any right now, but I, I'm partial to jellyfish. I love working with jellyfish. They, they just float around on current. So you have to create their current and you have to keep them well fed. So you're controlling everything. Uh, but my favorite exhibit at SeaWorld San Antonio is, is probably going to be our K-Ray Reef. Uh, it's actually not in SeaWorld San Antonio proper. It's actually in Aquatica. So it's SeaWorld's water park here in San Antonio. Um, but it's mm -hmm. a large, really large pool. It's got over 150 stingrays in it, hundreds of tropical fish in there. Um, so it's a beautiful tank to look at. Um, I've got all these majestic stingrays in it. Uh, but on an added bonus, you can touch the stingrays, you can feed the stingrays, you can go in and wade in the water with the stingrays. We have a raft ride that goes underneath the water and looks up at the stingrays. Um, so it's really fun not only to watch the animals in a, in a great environment, but watching kids and other people seeing these animals and interacting with them. It's, it, it makes the exhibit, it takes that exhibit a step further when you can see all the ways that people can interact and enjoy those things. You mentioned earlier about jellyfish, and I know this is going to be such a silly question that I'm sure you've gotten before, because, you know, we have all heard that if you are ever in the ocean and you get stung by a jellyfish, there are certain things that you can do when that happens. Is that true? And is there anything that you can do to help that situation if you get stung by a jellyfish? So I'm sure I'm thinking of what you're referring to. And yes, it is true to <laughs> yes, an extent. Um, so really? when, it, when a jellyfish stings you, what it is, is without getting too technical, there's little stinging cells called nematocysts. And when they touch something that's not a jellyfish, they start triggering and stinging and injecting their toxins. Um, so ammonia will deactivate the stinging cells. So it actually does not take away the pain. Your pain is not going to go away because of the ammonia. Future pain will go away because although the, the stinging cells were on you and they stung, sometimes if you say you... You, you move it and you, you brush your arm, it activates more stinging cells that were underneath that didn't get you the first time. So the oh. ammonia will deactivate the stinging cells. Therefore, you're not going to get any future pain or an additional pain, but it doesn't do anything for your actual pain that you've already gotten. Is there anything you can do for the actual pain when it happens? Uh, I would assume just uh, over-the-counter pain kills. <laughs> that, that's, I think, the only... Okay, I didn't... You, you, okay. you should. You Have sh you been stung by a jellyfish before? Uh, well, working with jellyfish, um, I, I mean, I've been probably stung millions of times. Uh, but the species that I generally work with, their, their, their stinging cells don't penetrate the human skin. Um, so it just kind of feels really itchy um, as opposed to some of the other. Okay. There are some, of course, jellyfish species that are pretty, pretty deadly and have a potent punch. I've, I've never been... Fortunately, never been stung by any of those and don't want to. Thank goodness. Yeah, I've been stung twice in the ocean. It's not, it's not fun mm. at all. Chris, I wanted to go back to something you said when we first started talking and you were talking about that first turtle that you had, but you never said, does that turtle have a name? Is it a boy? Is it a girl? And, and how old is that turtle now? Uh, so that turtle, when, when I found that turtle, it was a, it was a common snap. Well, I have a, actually I have a few of them. Um, but the first one that I got that I still have, I have three that I still have. 
Uh, one is a musk, a common musk turtle, a midland painted turtle, and my first one was a common snapping turtle. Uh, that animal was only a few grams, so it was probably a newborn. So I've had it since I was five. So that animal's probably about 35, 36 years old. It is a female, so she does lay eggs. Uh, um, but people always you, find it, people always find it weird. I, I, I don't name any of my turtles. So I just, I just know her as <laughs> okay. my snapping turtle. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, before we let you go, we always like to ask this question before we move on. What is the best thing you have seen in the world? There's two things that come to mind. One is uh, a more professional thing. Um, the, there's Kemp's, uh, Kemp's Ridley sea turtle, which is the most critically endangered sea turtle in the world. I got to the opportunity to go down and help during nesting season. So watching that first female come up to the beach lay her nest and then to assist actually digging that nest up and relocating it to a corral and then finding out that those eggs that I dug up actually hatched out. Um, that was really cool. But on a more selfish note, um, I'm a roller coaster fanatic. Um, I have ridden hundreds of roller coasters. I, I'm not one of those coaster people that does my coaster counts, but it's, it's well over a couple hundred roller coasters. <laughs> Um, but watching my son, my, my firstborn son ride his first roller coaster and getting to ride in the, in the seat next to him. That was one of the coolest things I have. It's gotta be the cool, one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Uh, I love that. How old are your three kids? So I have a, I have a six-year-old, I have a son or my six-year-old son. I have a daughter who just turned three and then I have a daughter who's coming up on two. Good ages. Ah, I love that. Chris Havel, Aquarium Supervisor for SeaWorld San Antonio. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, Thank you. Um, I have a new respect for water and everything that SeaWorld does to provide the right conditions for each animal species. I learned something again, and I hope you did too. I'm Cindy Simmons, and join us on the next See the World. As always, make sure to head over to SeaWorld.com, select your favorite park to stay in the loop on all of the great things happening at SeaWorld. And lastly, it would also mean the world to me if you subscribed, left a review, and then shared this podcast with all of your wonderful friends. Thanks for hanging out with us, and we will see you next time.